uh, 26 weeks since we did what we could barely conceive of doing at the time, and now you talk about it just seems, it seems disturbingly normal. We canceled church. It's just so normal now. We canceled, well, what we did, what we canceled was the, the, the physical gathering in the theater, right? We got some news a couple days later. It was, it, was, it was empty in here. And after the first few Sundays, or the first, that, first, that first Sunday, um, you know, it was so weird to preach to that camera on the back wall. There were essentially, there were essentially, there was an essential team of four of us in here, including uh, a consultant we had to hire because we didn't even really understand a lot of the technical stuff that was required to, to live stream uh, our gatherings. And we, we at the time, there was 355 people in this building every Sunday. And then it went to zero. And that first Sunday after we played some music and worshiped the Lord and I taught, no, it was, it was Angela that taught that first Sunday. Then we just sat on the stage, like four of us, we just sat up here and we like checked comments and text messages as if to confirm to one another that something actually had happened, right? Because there was just such a silent void of feedback. We were just looking for, oh yeah, hey cool, so-and-so was online, oh they said it worked, you know, they watched it with their family, these kinds of things. So the last six months have been Easily, the weirdest six months of pastoring Emmaus in, in the last 15 years for me. Just a strange, strange time. And while there have been some missteps along the way, and there are definitely some points at which I could, uh, I wish I had back because I could have done better. Um, some things I wish I would have done differently. Some days it felt like we were drowning, um, frankly. Today what I want to do is celebrate with you the few steps that we have taken, like Peter on the water walking toward Jesus, as together our community has courageously tried to be a faithful representation of Christ in the world um, in this storm, in the midst of this storm. Perhaps our biggest challenge in this time has been keeping the community connected without our main connection tool, which is this gathering. We all come to the same place at the same time every week. The most common question that we've received in the last six months has been something Something, some form of this question, what is the church doing? And it's interesting because that question can take a bunch of different forms. Like there's the basic searching for information, like are you gathering? What is the church doing? And, and then there's, there's a version that's some sort of desperate, emotional sort of what is the church doing? Like in the face of XYZ issue, right? And, and then there's the sometimes incredulous and disapproving comment, which is what is the church doing? Doing, right? So we get all kinds of it, right? And they're, and they're all legitimate questions. The, all forms of those questions are legitimate. I think they're fair questions because communication has been very challenging. Fair questions because so much has been changing and it's been changing so rapidly. And so um, like with, with fits and starts, we're one way for a while and suddenly it changes. These are fair questions because some churches aren't doing anything. But literally, some churches have just kind of gone dormant. They're just kind of waiting it out. Um, and these are fair questions because there's such a variety of views and perspectives on so many things, including things having to do with the church. Opinions are strong. And there's a tired narrative that won't die, which is still being passed around, that, that, which is the church doesn't do anything. The church isn't doing anything. Um, which, which just feeds this assumption, I think, uh, which isn't even accurate. So today is about good news. That's what our that's what our focus is today. And there are lots of needs. I recognize that there are there's tons of brokenness. 
we are we're all very aware of it. Uh, it's probably one of the first things you check when you wake up in the morning. And we are going to continue to do the best we can to address brokenness in all of the forms, especially those that impact our community and our area, our state. But specifically today, I want to focus on good news, and I want to focus on six pieces of good news, which are a response to the question, what is the church doing? Specifically, what is our church doing? All right, and so my hope, friends, is, is just that this encourages you today. I, I hope that even if you're not able to come to this place on Sunday mornings, that you'll be able to see that you can participate in Emmaus Church community. There's other things happening in other forms. And I hope that as part of this community, you, you leave here today feeling encouraged about some good news and that you'll continue to participate in it. Or maybe you'll join some area that's new for you. All right? Six pieces of good news. Here's the first. In the office, we've called it Adopt a Family. What this was was in the first two weeks of the shutdown, 19 families were connected with um, older singles or older couples. And the point of this was just to provide some practical support for one another. Uh, families wrote cards. They did work projects. They delivered groceries. They helped in practical ways. They would pray together, the older couple with the younger family. It was just super simple, and it was super beautiful. Some of the families had never met the older couple that they were linked to before this experience. And now, six months after serving and sharing life together, they're really good friends. I think some of the most effective spiritual formation that has happened in our community over the last six or 26 weeks has happened in um, this form where parents have gathered their kids, put them in the minivan, driven to another part of Placer County, to the house of an older couple or an older individual, served and prayed together. It's been beautiful. Why is the church doing something like this? We're doing this because we value community. Specifically, we value multi-generational community. We think it's very healthy for people to serve one another, to support one another, and because we don't want people to be alone, especially people in the church and especially the elderly. So what is the good news? The good news is the church is caring for one another during a difficult time. That's the good news. And what can you do about it? Well, you can participate in it. Uh, we can continue to do this. If you'd like to link with an older couple or you're an older couple and you need some support, you can reach out to Angela at EmmausCommunity.org. Say, I, I want to hear more about this Adopt-A-Family um, project. And, and you can tell the story. That's another thing you can do. You can tell the story. Friends, this is good news, and you should share it. Here's a second piece of good news. We called it Lincoln Delivers. What's Lincoln Delivers? It's a program that pays the food delivery costs for local restaurants. This started as a really big and ambitious economic development idea. We were thinking this is early April. All these college kids are about to come home to earn money for college. All the college kids' jobs are canceled due to COVID. And so we considered several possibilities. We were thinking about like entrepreneurial incubation, kind of small business start. We were thinking all kinds of things. The hope was, though, was that the church could catalyze not just spiritual transformation, but the church could be a catalyst for economic transformation. And at one point in this process, I was on the phone with Rich Lester, our executive pastor, also with Josh Unfried and Josh Brown, who are both on our board, and they are both uh, small business owners. 
And we were talking about ways that Emmaus might contribute to the economic stability of our town. While we're on the phone, somebody from the city of Lincoln calls Rich and says something like, we have this idea, we need a bunch of volunteers to deliver food from local restaurants to homes. So he gets off the phone, we kick that idea around, we come up with like five or six reasons that would be really challenging to do, and somebody on the phone call just says, why doesn't the church just pay the delivery fees for the restaurants? When Rich called the, um, the, the represent representative from the city, this is a good idea, right, because now there's no volunteer management, there's no insurance issues, uh, there's no food handling problems, right? So restaurants just turn their receipts for their delivery costs into the church every month, and the church writes 100% of that, just covers their fees. Super simple. So when Rich presented the idea to the Lincoln Strong Task Force, which is this group of, uh, of business owners and city leaders here in downtown, they told him it was the first idea in more than a month they've been able to agree was a good idea. Yeah, so several months into this now, we're supporting eight restaurants. Friends, we're giving away $1,000 a week to local restaurants. These are local businesses. What's the church doing? The church is investing in local business. The church is, is investing in local jobs. The church is supporting local uh, restaurants. Why are we doing this? We're doing this because we want to be a good neighbor, especially in this downtown context. We're doing this because we're about holistic restoration all of it, right? And we're doing this because this is a practical way that we can love our neighbors and help address one of the hardest hit industries in Lincoln, which is the locally owned, independent, small mom-pop downtown restaurants. What's the good news? The good news is the church is investing in local businesses. The church is helping lo local restaurants. How can you share in this good news? Well, you could eat locally. You could eat at local restaurants, and you can tell the story. What's the church doing? Well, this is interesting, isn't it? The church is supporting local businesses. The church is paying the delivery fees for local businesses. This is good news. You can share it. Here's some more good news. Um, last month, one of the most fun mornings in the office I can remember uh, began with the recognition that things for school were, were just totally going to change. We started what we called the Emmaus Education Co-op. In April, students left school for spring break. Most didn't ever come back from spring break. Most families had a challenging time trying to balance work and education and home, but they were able to kind of hang on until the school year ended, right, because just hang on till summer. It was difficult, it was doable, um, but the day that it was announced that school wouldn't be returning physically in Placer County, it was as if you could feel the whole town going, what in the world are we going to do, right? What are we gonna, how are we going to go back to school and back to work and all of this? We've kind of held it together with Band-Aids all summer, now what can we do? So by the end of the day, we were, we were asking that question in the office. And by the end of, actually by lunch of that day, we'd hired two trained teachers as tutors. Two days later, there were seven pods of kids around Placer County. These are kids that are part of Emmaus Church. They were organized in small groups so that they could receive in-person tutoring several times a week. 
Um, we didn't know if we could really stretch it beyond that, but we realized we could. And so a couple weeks later, we pivoted and we are offering now this free tutoring to the whole city through the Foundry Youth Center. And so um, this has been a really exciting uh, thing to see kind of pick up and get legs. This last week, the district superintendent of schools, a school board member, and two different city leaders promoted Foundry Tutors as a solution to this widely recognized practical challenge that families in Lincoln are facing. And this week, just Tuesday through Friday, an average of 17 kids dropped by the Foundry or made appointments with tutors uh, to meet every day this last week. Tutoring is consistently linked to higher academic achievement. The problem with tutoring is it's so expensive. And so once again, here's an example in this season when the gap between those with more resources and fewer resources just continues to widen, right? But not in this case. Why? Because the church is paying the bill. Isn't that beautiful? So now we can offer free personal tutoring with trained, background-checked, uh, well-experienced uh, young teachers to come alongside these kids and provide some support that is really helping out, I think, in a really practical way. Why are we doing this? Because we want to support families in practical ways. Uh, because in-person tutoring can be the tool that pulls a kid from frustration and isolation and failure into understanding and accomplishment, all within the context of a meaningful relationship. We're doing this because we want to share the love of Jesus with kids in very practical ways, even if that means helping them learn how to do fractions or something like that, which I'm not really sure how those two things connect, but I know that it can connect, right? We're trying to make a difference in a way that makes sense to people. What's the good news? The good news is the church is educating kids in a time when the school is really limited in how well it can do that. How can you share in this good news? You could volunteer at the foundry. You could support the foundry financially. You can respond to both of those requests by going to the foundry website, which is foundrylincoln.org. There's two buttons. Get tutoring, give tutoring. (laughs) You can follow that link, be a part of that. And another way that you can participate in this good news is you can share it. You can share it. Did you know that the youth center in town offers free tutoring to middle school and high school kids? We even had fifth graders in there this week. All right, a couple more things. Uh, One of the major work, some of the major work that we did this last season was to put together the Way of Life Catechism. A few weeks into the shutdown, we gathered people and we had 12 home groups that met all spring and all summer. Over 140 people who met online at first and then gradually some came and started meeting in person to learn basic historic Christian theology. In other words, what have Christians believed since the time of the apostles? What difference did these beliefs make in the way people lived? We covered basic doctrines that are articulated in the Apostles' Creed, which is the earliest comprehensive Christian creed. And even though these were just really basic truths, many of us had never been in a context where we could talk about these doctrines or ask questions about these doctrines, like the significance of the virgin birth or the person and work of the Holy Spirit or the blessing of the communion of saints. And the Apostles' Creed was only a quarter of this greater way of life catechism that we've put together. So we're kicking off the second part of way of life in about 10 days. The second part is about the Lord's Prayer. 
and it starts on September 23rd. There's ways you could participate in this. You can join a home group. Several of the home groups have more space to welcome people in to study this material together. Also, on Wednesday nights here in the theater, live and online, we're going to offer a, a teaching time on this material. And this is going to fit between the drop-off time for youth ministries and the pickup time for youth ministries. Okay, so it's going to be a fast-moving, really focused Rob Elisher and I are going to be up here teaching about the Lord's Prayer. You drop your kids off at 6.30, you get here at 6.45, we go till 7.45, then you can go pick up your kids from the youth groups, which are all gathering this fall. Um, and I'm excited about this. Why are we doing this? We're doing this because we need to know how to live as Christians in this world, right? We need to know, and because we need to experience not just head knowledge, but we need to experience the, ch the life-changing truths that have been passed down from the apostles all the way through the church for thousands of years, which have, frankly, enabled Christians to faithfully demonstrate the love and the goodness of God in times like this and way worse than this. We need a spirituality that makes a difference in real life. Okay. Whether that's sort of comfortable Placer County, um, beautiful weather, wonderful sports programs, everything's great, or it's fires raging, conflict everywhere, you know, nothing works as it used to, Placer County, like it is today, right? Because we need to be able to faithfully articulate the Christian faith to those who are looking for a meaningful relationship with God. We need to have a reason for the hope that we have. That's why we're doing this. What's the good news? The good news is the church is learning how to live and pray according to the pattern of Jesus. People think all kinds of things when they hear the church. And a lot of the things they think are not positive. The good news is that this church is learning how to live and pray according to the pattern of Jesus. You should participate in that. And that's good news that you should share. You should tell people this story. How can you share it? You can participate in a home group. You can participate in the Wednesday night teaching that's here. And it will also be online Wednesday nights starting the 23rd of September. Good stuff, right? Here's two more. One of the effects, we're calling it a courageous conversation about race and justice. One of the effects of the coronavirus has been the exposure of reality. I think stripped of so many of our activities, so much of our entertainment, so many of the diversions uh, in our lives has forced us. We've been at home. We've had to deal with what's really going on. And sometimes what's really going on is ugly and difficult and challenging, right? Things maybe aren't quite as healthy as you thought they were. And this reality recognition happens in the home. It also, it just expands and, it, and it's been going on throughout the country. Maybe we haven't made as much progress as we thought we had. The evil of racial prejudice, which has robbed humans of their human, God-given human dignity throughout human history, is again being revealed in our, in our country. And so many are asking hard questions. And there's a lot of deep hurt, and there's not a lot of understanding. And so the conversations that are needed are difficult ones. These are conversations which are going to require a lot of courage. All summer, some of our leaders have been reading books and preparing by taking classes. They're going to host a courageous conversation on race and justice. We're hosting it Sunday nights in October. 
As of Thursday, there are already 20 people signed up. I'm not sure what form the conversation will take, but it will happen on Sunday nights starting in October. It'll be five weeks. We're going to read and discuss a book together. The book's called Trouble I've Seen by Drew Hart. Why are we doing this? We're doing this because the church should be a community of people who are, uni- who are unified around a common love for Jesus, even in a nation like ours, which has a history of treating some people not as people but as property. Because the church needs to cast the vision for what the kingdom of God in heaven looks like on earth. Okay. Where people from every tribe, nation, and language worship Jesus as the one true God with one voice. Every nation, every culture, every color, but one voice. We're doing this because we have to engage the conversation if we're going to push the conversation towards the beautiful vision of the Bible about humanity. The vision that's revealed in the end of of the Bible in Revelation 7. So what's the good news? I would say the good news is that the church is engaging racial healing. We're engaging it. And how can you share in it? Well, you could participate in the Sunday night conversation. You can sign up at EmmausCommunity.org. And you can tell the story. You can tell the story. Here's a last piece of good news for this morning. There's so many other things, but I, I needed to keep it at six. Meanwhile, we've continued to lead worship gatherings for every week the last six months, which is no small feat. Right? Right? That's no small feat. I appreciate that. Right. Today is the 106th Sunday worship gathering in the history of our church. The 806th. And it's, did I say 106th? I meant 806th. And it's the 26th week that we've been live streaming our worship gatherings. We went from not live streaming to live streaming um, in a week. And we've been doing that for 26 weeks now in a row, why are we doing this? Why are we do- And that's a good question. Why are we doing this? With all that's going on, all the other stuff that's going on, all the, the magnified needs, all the complex problems, all the difficulties associated with gathering people, why are we even trying this to continue to, why are we pouring energy into this Sunday worship gathering, whether it's online or here in the theater? Friends, it's because the worship gathering is the heartbeat of this community. Okay, that's why. The worship gathering is the heartbeat of this community. Because as a church community, the worship gathering is core to all that we do. In a sense, we are first and foremost a community that gathers to worship God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's at the core of who we are. And so we lift praises to God because this is essential. And we declare the word of God because this is essential. And we celebrate communion together because this is essential. We welcome the hurting and the healthy. We welcome the needy and those who are able to help. Those with different political convictions. Those with different backgrounds. We welcome all to come together and to worship Christ who is our common king. Friends, if everything else were stripped away, everything else... If everything else were stripped away, the church could still be the church if two people could gather together and worship God in word and sacrament. It's been a really difficult time for the church. 
but it was Jesus who said, even the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Okay. So we're in the midst of one of the most intense storms of our lives, but we're still called to walk with Jesus. Even if we're not sure how, and even if we think we're going to sink, and maybe we will sink um, along the way, and we're just going to need to be like rescued by him right out of the water. May God give us the grace in the middle of a lot of bad news to celebrate some good news. May God give us the patience as the needs and the phone calls and the chaos continue to assault our perception. May he give us the grace to pause and say, but this, but this was good. And this was good. And here was a sign of God's faithfulness. And here was a sign that he's not going to leave us. And here's a provision. May God give us the grace in the middle of a bunch of bad news to celebrate some good news. What's the good news? The church is caring for one another. The church is investing in local businesses. The church is educating students. The church is learning how to live and pray according to the pattern of Jesus the church is engaging racial healing, and the church is continuing to worship Jesus. We're not going to quit. We're going to keep going. I want to thank you, friends, for being part of this church. Your faithful support and continued commitment to be engaged in this community is what has enabled us to do good things during a really hard time. God has graced us to use and leverage our collective gifts and resources to be good news for other people. It's been a hard six months, but it's been a good six months. Uh, this is good news, friends. So uh, as a way of worshiping and thanking God, and as a way of encouraging one another, we should celebrate it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. I pray for the grace, Lord, to have eyes to see the signs of goodness and order and grace and love that are sprinkled all throughout the last six months when the story is told and in the conversations that continue about how difficult everything is and what a hassle everything is. May we also have in our mind's eye specific examples that we can point to, that we can choose to celebrate. Because we have not been abandoned, we've not been left alone. This is not meaningless, and it's not futile. You continue to call your church to demonstrate your love to your world. We want to be a part of that. We pray for grace to continue to be a part of that as a church community. And I also pray, Lord, for each of us as families and as individuals that we could celebrate your goodness to us, even in this season. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen.